0: All right.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Diego and DeVore Show Brought to you by Invicta Watches and Rogue Energy on Anchor.fm Also streaming wherever you find your favorite wrestling podcast Whether it be iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify With your hosts Diego De La Rosa and Lord Everett DeVore As we talk all things wrestling Untold road stories And bring you stories about guys and gals you might not have heard about and what's to come. So step Good inside time. that squared circle with us as we take you on a fun
2: field ride. Good. Could have heard a pin drop. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: you are listening to the Diego and Divorce Show, and they pulled somebody up from the grave, Derek Flair. And here I am to tell you that you're in the right place. Whenever you see the Diego and Divorce Show, on your screen you are in the right place and it's gonna be big woo tonight
1: all right welcome Aww. to another episode of the diego and divorce show man diego how the hell are you, brother
3: i'm doing pretty good man i'm glad to be back it was a hell of a week it feels like we haven't done this in months but it only been about a week before we did the last episode
1: i know right this this whole pandemic thing man the days, the months, they're just melting together. You don't know what's up, what's down. But I'll tell you what I am stoked about tonight because the gentleman we have with us tonight, it's amazing. The amount of films and TV that this man has done is mm-hmm. unreal. And we're talking about none other than the, the man who made 3 O'Clock High, the guy that was in Kindergarten Cop. The guy yes. that was in Something About Mary, Kingpin, Black Hawk Down, so many movies that we grew up with watching,
3: mm-hmm. and
1: he, I can, still can't believe it, man. You know, I want to smack myself around a little bit. It's none other than Richard Tyson. So without yes, any a, further ado, yes. Richard, Mr. Richard Tyson, excuse me, welcome to, to the Diego and Divorce Show.
2: My pleasure. It's great to be here. Awesome. Where are you guys? We're actually located
1: right outside of DC in Alexandria.
2: Alexandria. I couldn't we couldn't come up with that. Uh it's near Tyson's Corner, right? C-
1: correct. We're about twenty Remember? minutes or so from Tyson's Corner.
3: And we so, were talking huh? No, I'm sorry, he's all the way down in Alexandria. I'm all I'm, I'm all the way on the other end of the state. Oh. Actually one state up in West Virginia. So we got good social distancing going on, him and I.
2: And me too. I'm in a rainforest uh, on the Gulf Coast of uh, down in Alabama. So yeah, the distancing. Yeah, it's it's good. Only see turtles here. (laughs) (laughs) So um, yeah, yeah, man. Um, You saw three o'clock high last night.
1: Yeah, I saw it for the first time last night, and I was unbelievably stunned. A that it took me so long to actually find out about it. And B, just uh-huh. how awesome that movie was.
2: And I, I have I have four brothers and and three sisters. And when they saw that movie, they go, You'll never do a better movie than that. I'm like, it's my first one, dumbass. <laughs> you know, wait a minute <laughs> You know. And now I've done 150 and I think three o'clock high. When they put me in the dirt, they'll go, Buddy Ravel died today, I think, <laughs> instead Absolutely. of all the other work. I do Shakespeare. I do all that stuff on stage. And, you know, I did To Kill a Mockingbird. I played Atticus Finch. And when it all is said and done, it's like Buddy Ravel <laughs> went to the principal's office today.
1: <laughs> now, the one awesome. thing that I noticed in that movie, more than any other movie I've seen you in, was how tall you are. How tall are you?
2: Uh, No, no, that's, that's camera angles. Is that camera angles? Yeah. And they had to get, uh, you know, a a guy that's, you know, that's the thing. Uh, I had 15 callbacks for that movie and I was living in my truck. I had my, my, my couch, uh, in the back of the truck. If you put the tailgate down, it's level. And I, and I had a barbecue grill and, uh, After three weeks at the YMCA in Hollywood, that's where I got off the bus. uh, After three weeks, I found Santa Monica and the ocean, and I said, I was about to go home and be a lawyer and a senator like my father wanted me to, but uh, I went up, I'd buy a chucked steak and go up on the side of the cliff and uh, look out over the ocean. That's how I
3: starved in Hollywood. Wow. Um, Wow. I mean, that was a hell of a debut, though. That's a hell of a first movie. Yeah, you know what? Um, You
2: can't believe this. Uh, 3 O'Clock High, I'm doing Two Moon Junction, my second movie, and I tell the director, I said, look, uh, 3 O'Clock High, my first movie, Spielberg, is coming out. uh, uh, There's a premiere, and I want to go, and it's this date. And when I got to that date, I kept reminding him that I needed to go because I had been to a party... Uh, that I wasn't going to a party, but uh, my manager convinced me because he said Magic Johnson was going to be there. And I'm like, I'm there, you know. I had Magic Johnson's shoes on, you know. And uh, and I tell you, man, I didn't mean to, but I, I was so nervous uh, when I met him that I said, Magic, would you shine my shoes I, swear <laughs> <to> that, <once. laughs> yeah, I was what
0: I yeah, was nervous.
2: And I said he goes, "What?" Like you said. And I'm like, S- "Sign, sign them." He goes, "Do you have a pen?" I'm like, "Oh, uh, I'll get one." <laughs> and I went away, I came back. He said, "To Bama, good luck, be cool, Magic Johnson on my shoe." I said, "I'll never wear it again. Put it on the, you know, on the mantle." And they're like, uh I wore that until they fell off my feet <laughs> <I wore> those, <laughs> and it changed my game, man. I started dishing it back and forth, you know, but, but anyway, we were standing outside after that meeting at, at the party and he goes, uh, my manager says that you have a, a, a movie coming out. Uh, there's a premiere. Uh, I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, can I go? I'm like, yeah, yeah, man, you can go I- I'll rent a car. I'll pick you up. I'm living in my truck, man. <laughs> but I'll rent a car for Magic Johnson, you know. And uh, so on the on the night, I'm on the set at Two Moon Junction, and the director goes, "I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to make it. We got to finish this." And and uh, so I had to call Magic and say, uh, "It's all off," and I never talked to him again.
1: Oh no. Uh,
2: Isn't that, uh, I could have been sitting by Jack Nicholson.
1: (laughs) That's crazy. I can't believe they would let you go to the premiere.
2: Yeah, man. I, I always regretted that one, you know, just let me off, you know, we've done good today. I mean, we work 12 hours a day, right. And then you might go overtime, And so they scheduled everything, but we were hung up and it's like, Everybody that goes to a movie set, they go, Oh, it's gonna be a short day today. It's like maybe just four hours and it's never a short day, you know. It never is. You don't get out in four hours, especially if you're the lead or whatever, you know. So so uh yeah. So I just said I met Magic Johnson and you know, he wanted to go. I'm like, wow. Anyway, that's three o'clock high. Yeah, uh, when I first drove into uh, Universal Studios to go to Spielberg's uh, offices, they're like country, you know, uh, just one-story buildings around. Uh, and uh, I show up with my, you know, with my my couch and all that. And the guy goes, hey, where are you working today? I'm like, uh, I'm doing a movie with, with uh, Steven Spielberg. And they go no, you're not. What are you doing? You fixing the toilet or something? Well, they thought I was going in there to work, you know to, do, you know, to do the things that need to be done. But I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to do a movie with Steven Spielberg. And they're like, I said, look at the list. I had to convince them to look at the list. And they go, Richard Dyson. I'm like, there you go. That's, that's, that's me. This is, Well, all right, you're going in there. And I saw that guy like 15 more times. And and I said, I'm still doing it. I'm still doing it. And I would stay after the interview, after the audition there on the lot, because that's way out in Burbank, way away from where I usually on the cliff in Malibu. Um, And I would stay there because it was safe behind, you know, the gates and everything. And they found me seven out of fifteen times. They found me and kicked me out. But eight <laughs> times, eight times, I did it. I slept all night in my in my truck at Universal Studios, and then I got the gig. You know, that shows gig. that
1: you were persistent.
2: You know, I didn't get the gig until they uh, I was offered another movie, and I'm like, oh, really? And okay. I want to do three o'clock high. I'm glad I chose that one. You know, the other one was about, I don't know, uh, inbred Cajuns uh, in New Orleans or something. No, you know, I'm in a rainforest now, you know, (laughs) I, I would fit right in.
3: (laughs) So, so we jump. we're at three o'clock high and two moon junction. Now we're going to get to one that, Everybody knows, and but before I go into the whole kindergarten cop one, I'll ask if I may ask you: yeah. Have you ever seen the sequel to *Kindergarten Cop* with Duff Lundgren? No, I haven't. I just heard after I I got the movie that
2: he played Arnold's role, but I I have never seen it. Uh, I heard they have terrorists in it or something. I it's, don't know. It, Did you see it? It's not I, *Kindergarten Cop*.
3: It's something like that, but it's uh, you know for. And I'll say this: I I love Dolph Lundgren's movies. I'm a big fan. Always have been. But I think the movie doesn't get the credit it deserves. It's actually pretty damn funny. It's actually a pretty good movie. So I don't know because oh know okay. we talked to, yeah. All right. Well, I I need to see it then uh, because
2: someone told me not to see it, and you know I don't take direction that well. But uh, I haven't well, seen you, it.
3: <laughs> If you don't like it, you can blame me. You can call me on Skype, and then you know. But it was know. a kindergarten cop, right?
2: Uh, was it trying to get the kid out? Uh, you know. Um, yep. They said it there was. Too
1: much- I saw it once in in. I wasn't a fan of it. I was much more of a fan of the first one.
2: What do you mean? Oh yeah, the first. Yeah, I. Uh, I never heard about it. You know, after the week it was supposed to come out or something. Uh, You know, if you're doing a remake of it, why don't you call the bad guy? He might even do it again. (laughs) I might have. (laughs) Call Arnold. Hell, he might do it again. I don't know. But, but it was funny. I'm glad to hear that. But, no, go ahead. What can I tell Dolph? You know, I got to dig him a little bit. You know what? Is there a certain scene that uh, they should have edited or, you know, or
3: or he looks good? I don't know. He did really well. But I think that if they were to play it today and some people will rediscover this movie, I think a lot of people will have uh, hurt feelings. They they really put a a funny take on the California lifestyles and how the kids are, and how the parents raise them. A little social commentary deal there, but in good humor, I don't think nobody would be mad.
2: Right, except uh, in Portland at the, the Summer Movie Festival up there, they took kindergarten cop off. They'll yes, definitely take this w- one out, yeah. I wanted to
1: bring that up, and I wanted to give you the forum to speak your mind on that, because when when I found out about it, I couldn't believe the the idiocy that is going on up there. I mean, it doesn't shock me for what's already going on up there. Right, But right. for them yeah. to take it out on the movie is just... So, I wanted to give yeah. you the floor to get it off your chest.
2: Well, I, I'm just so disappointed. You know, we loved being up there uh, and uh, we had a great time. We did exteriors there for the high school and uh, I mean, the elementary school, and the people were great. Uh, the firemen had a big function and uh, gave Arnold uh, a key to the city. And I was there. I'm like, well, what do I get? A t shirt? And they <laughs> found a t shirt and gave it to me. I mean, we had it. I mean, I was, I was, uh, it's the time of my life, you know. Uh, and, uh, for them to say that we're just trying to explore or admit that this is a, I don't know, there's a, there's a, an author it sounds like she was the only one and it changed the whole film festival i i don't know i haven't read anything that she's done and her comments it's it's like i don't think she ever saw the movie i don't i really don't and uh, it's you know first of all you didn't know that arnold was a cop you know and no one in the school knew he was a teacher you know and <clears throat> At the end, he was there in the right place to get rid of the guy that was kidnapping the kid, you know, and that happened to be me, you know. Uh, that scene, and uh, I'm, we are glad that he was there, you know, because this was a dangerous drug dealer, and he's trying to kidnap his, it was his own kid, but
0: yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, that's not what the movie was about. I thought the movie was about, there was a A loving father who would do anything to get his son back. (laughs) That's what I said. You know what? Universal Studios, they said uh, there's a black tower outside the studios where every actor walks through the entrance to go to audition. They look up, and it's 18 floors high. And uh, that's the penthouse. That's where the president of Universal is. And one day, we all want to get up there. Well, they invited me after we shot Kindergarten Cop up there. I walked in, and I have to say, I said, can I look out of the window down there? Because, you know, I've seen it from that end. I I want to see it from, you know, and and I, I started to go, nah, 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 no. And I said, you can do it, you can do it! You know, I was like, yeah, yeah! I turn around, they're all clapping, you know, and uh, that was Ivan Reitman and his two producer friends who made $330 million on Ghostbusters, a piece, and the president. Of Universal. And uh they said, look, you did great in kindergarten cop, but I have to say, Arnold looks bad for shooting you. Because all you wanted was your son. I'm like, that's right. That's all I'm playing is I want my son back. And he goes, so we're going to spend the next two weeks to make you evil. <laughs> I'm like, okay. All right. You know, so... Uh, the first one, my character asked the guy by the dumpster at the beginning in the mall, mm-hmm. says, you didn't tell anyone, did you? He goes, I'm not stupid, Mr. Crisp. And I said to uh, Ivan Reitman, I said, I said, uh, want to put some lead in his belly right there when he says he's not stupid. So then he can think that, uh, how stupid he really is. And then when he gets it, I want to shoot him again. And he goes, Tyson. We're doing a comedy. We're, you're way overthinking. <laughs> you're going straight, <laughs> good fellows. But if you if you look at it, it's exactly the way we did it. You know. So okay. So my character shot the guy. All right. So that's bad. Then we're in front of the judge with chain. I'm in front. My character's in front of the with chains on, and you know the prison garb says you're a million dollar eight million dollar drug dealer bad 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 guy okay we got that then arnold takes me and throws me through the door and interrogates me but then i sass him now arnold he's going to throw me through the door i said arnold you're not going to throw me through the door because look i have a master's from cornell i can show you you don't have to push me or anything. I can sell it. He goes, don't make me look bad, Dyson. Don't make me look bad. <laughs> <And> I'm like, <laughs> I said, just keep your hands off of me. You know? And I went through action. I went through that door like parallel to the floor, you know, and I was like, well, you know, and we did the whole scene. And then I sass him. I says, "Uh, my wife left for the money. Yours left because she couldn't stand the sight of you. All right. So now we have Sassed Arnold and they were like, "What are we going to do next?" I said, "What if we burn up the school or something?" And they, "Oh, wait, you what do you mean?" I said, "I don't know. Uh uh the library or something, you know." He says, "All right, now you burn up the elementary school library. Okay, he can shoot me now." You know? And indeed, that's that's what happened. It's it was a comedy and for it to be taken off the list in a summer festival. I've Since then, I've met so many people around the world that recognize me from that movie and just love it. And I'm the bad guy, you know, and they just, Arnold, I saw him a couple of years ago in Santa Monica, and he's like, Dyson, you're kindergarten. I'm Terminator, you're kindergarten. You keep that. I'm like, all right, I'm, all right, I'll keep that. And uh so I'm I'm just never, uh I never knew
1: that about you, that you did your own stunt work there. That's pretty cool.
2: Well that was a stunt, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Oh no, oh so afterwards he goes, I said, well, What about it? You know, I was parallel, man. I went through that door and he goes, You made me look good, Dyson, you made me look good. I'm like, All right, that's all right. You know, I I said, I should have been playing that that cop. You should have been the bad guy. <laughs> You know what in that in that movie we were shooting and the kids all have to say danger danger going up the stairs stranger danger mm-hmm. you remember that yes up, well uh the the director was working with kids he doesn't usually work with kids and he couldn't get them to say it loud enough you know and I said look let me take them out uh, he goes let's break for lunch I said I'll take them out to the playground and I'll rehearse with them uh, and they'll they'll get ready and they'll they'll do it if if you just uh, let me go do it. And so he said yes. I went outside. I practiced with them. You know, became friends. And and then I got them yelling at me. And then and then it was too long. We got a megaphone going. Would the bad guy and the kids please come back to the set? It's like oh, oh okay, lunch is over. You know, we go back in there. I said to him, I said you need to turn the volume just. Sh- not too high because they are gonna deliver action. They turn around. They go danger, danger. <laughs> I mean, they went straight up. They, they went cut. He goes cut, cut. All right, look, turn the sound down. All right, let's get it. Let's let's adjust. Okay, can they do it again? I, I looked up the kids. I winked at them, you know, and uh, and they were ready to go. And uh, we did several takes, and and they were great. They were great. Some people ask is which one of the kids were you? I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) What? (laughs) No, but it just saddens me that someone would would say something. I mean, the equivalent of Birth of a Nation, Birth of a Nation had, you know, a thousand KKKs walking through the street. It was just the reason it's famous is because it was the first movie. Right. It's not because (laughs) of the content and going with the win. It's it's part of history, you know? I'm, we're not trying to do anything against anybody. It's, this is why all the, all the things that have happened has prepared us to get to this moment, that we can be inclusive with everyone, you know? I mean, L.A. is a great example because I don't care where you're from around the world, if you came to Hollywood to be in the movies, it's up to you to get in the movies, I, I broke through every studio when I first got there. I, I sneaked into the MGM studios the first day I was there, and I went. I had no money. I I had enough for the bus to get back to the YMCA, and uh, and I uh, well, I was I was walking uh towards the gate, and ironically the the mansions that they used in uh uh uh, the civil war movie uh they were all right there and it was very imposing to walk towards the gate it's about 100 yards and the gate was open about you know two feet where a man could walk through and the guard shack was right there so i'm like it's it's uh eight a m my first day in Hollywood, and I got the bus from the y m c a and I'm at m g m and I'm walking and i'm going through i'm gonna get in i go and i'm walking i'm walking I get all the way there's nobody there's no there's no security in the booth. I'm like this is great this is this is an omen I did the right thing, right Well, I get there almost twenty feet almost there. And the guy shows up, and he looks directly at me, and I get right to him, and I turn right. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go around the, the whole place and find some somewhere to, you know, climb over the wall. And there's no place. It's like Attica. Yeah, you, know, you can't you can't get in that. You can't get in. You know, you can't get out. Uh, it's thirty foot cement with barbed wire, and you know, and uh, so I went back to the front entrance. There was a, a CVS door or whatever
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and, uh, I bought a little flip notebook for 15 cents and I started walking back towards the guard shack 100 yards and I'm like, dear God, please help me to get in this gate you know I'll be a missionary one day or you know and uh, and I started walking and writing and walking and stopping and walking and, and writing and, and, and about 50 feet from it, I realized that I'm a writer and I'm late, and so I'm riding, and I'm walking, and I'm riding, and I'm I'm walking, and I I, I get right to the guy, I go, hey, how you doing, hey, and I walk right in, man, I walk right in, (laughs) so it's my first day. I went and hid for a while, and then I went into a a building, it was the Lucille Ball building, and uh, they were military buildings, uh, you know, that... uh, You know, the wooden two story, small, small space when you get in the hallway, you know. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I walked in, first door on the left. I walked in. Oh, a secretary office. There's no one there, not even a secretary, but I heard somebody in the back room over on the right. And I go back there, there's this heavy set Irish guy. He was just red as, you know, red as Santa Claus. And and I'll say, how you doing? I'm Richard Tyson. i traveled 2,000 miles to come be in the movies. I've done children's theater, a little Shakespeare. And, and I have $5, I'm at the YMCA, and I need to get in the movies quick. Saying, so what are we doing? He goes, what's your name? I said, Richard Tyson. He goes, Richard Tyson? Get the hell out of my house! <laughs> <ears." laughs> he came on food. I'm like, oh, wait, I'm gone. And I ran through the secretary room, and I'm out in the hallway first door on the right. That was the left. I go in. How you doing? I'm Richard Tyson. I traveled 2,000 miles, come be in the movies, you know, and all that. And the guy goes, do you have a pass? I'm like, no, I don't. Uh, He goes, I'm calling security. No, no, don't do that. Look, look, I'm out. So I'm in the hallway again, right? So I said, second door on the left. And I go in. I said, how you doing? I'm Richard Oh, I didn't realize that the second door on the left was the private entrance for the guy in the back office. (laughs) It was the same. The papers went everywhere. He's like, Richard
0: Tyson, Coffee,
2: you know, and he's chasing me. He's yelling, Richard Tyson. I'm running down the hallway. I knew I was 20. I could get away from him, you know, and uh, I went upstairs. But while I was running from him, I was like, wow, I haven't been in Hollywood. But for about, you know, two hours, and they're already shouting my name at, <laughs> at, at the studios. They're running down the hallways shouting my name. <laughs> anyway, The Ninth Door, uh, this part of my autobiography, uh, its I haven't written it yet, but um, uh, this section is called The Ninth Door because uh, the ninth one, everyone said no, but the ninth one said yes. And I went in, and, you know, and they didn't even open the door, but, you know, about six inches, and the guy peered out. I said, how are you doing? Now I'm sweating. I'm tired. Ah, you know, I, I'm Richard Tyson. I traveled 2,000 miles to come to the movies, and I told them all. They go, that's a great story. I said, it's not a story. You can call the why." you know. He goes, no, 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 I believe you. I but I thought he thought I was lying or something, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, he says, look, I want you to meet my boss. She's a casting director. I think I said, she is. Wow. I thought directors were men. That's how green I was, you know, but that was also back in the day. Uh, and the initial reception by that lady charged me up and gave me hope, uh, she tried to get me with agents and stuff. Uh, but I, I broke into every studio after that. And then finally, uh, the last casting director I met, uh, it's story goes on and on. Um, I was going back to Santa Monica. Everybody wanted me to manage a restaurant. I'm like, no, I, I didn't come out here to manage a restaurant. Came out here to be in the movies, you know. And if you want me to lock up at night, I'll wash the dishes. And so I had jobs like that. And I was on the bus. I had been out, three or four buses, out to the Valley, Universal and Warner Brothers, just trying to get in the movies. And, and, I, and I'd come back. I wanted to work at night so that I could, you know, get in. Uh, the studios so we're going right by uh, Motor and uh, Fox Studios were there and there were two two casting trailers there were brand new trailers in this empty parking lot outside of security I'm like I have to get off I have to get off go over there I mean I don't have to break in I just and I got off it's like one thirty, and I'm walking over to the two trailers I'm like which one left or right left or right, right. left or right Well, I said, you know, I'm going to let fate decide. So I just stopped, you know, just a little bit out so they could see me on both sides. And says, you're going to need one of these guys. You're going to need one. So I'm going to stand here. I stood there all day. It was like 1.30. Finally, it's dark and I leave. No one talked to me. No cars were parked in the parking lot. I just stood there. And, you know, the business starts at 10 a.m., you know, unless you're shooting a movie. And uh, the movie, you're, uh, might be at dawn, right? But the business starts at 10. So, at 9, on Tuesday morning, I was there at 9. And I stood there all day. I'm going to let fate, left or right, left to right, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It was getting dark on Friday. I stood there all week. Said, I'm going to try something else the next, next time. And uh, okay, last chance. You need one of these. And uh, a heavy set woman leaned out of the one on the left and says, Hey, do you want some water? I'm like, I'd like to thank the Academy.
0: Like,
2: <laughs> that. I'm like, hey, Jesus, you know. Ah. They, they invited me in. She took me to the boss. I said to the boss, I said, only knew two monologues. I was a sophomore and I said, You wanna hear a She goes, That's theater and just bitter. She was she was, that's theater. And 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 we do TV and movies around here. I'm like, Oh, okay, well, it's a good monologue. Um Marlon Street streetcar named Desire, you know, he did it and you know, I know where Mitch is. She goes, Mitch, who? Well, that's the start of the monologue. <laughs> He's not coming because he didn't bring the roses. Because I know where he is, you know. And and she's like, "Where is he?" And she's like, I'm, "I was doing the monologue, but she started talking back and forth to me, <laughs> <laughs> and like it was a, like we have a conversation. And and halfway through, she put her hand up to her lips, went, "Oh," and she sat back and waited for me to finish. And she goes. Wow, that's you got something. You have something there, you know, you know. I, uh, do you have another one? Now I only had one left. You know, so I had to play cop. You know, it's like what you said—you'd never seen one. You don't want to see one, and you want two out of me. All of a sudden, can you do it with a different accent? I said, "Yeah, sure." I did it with the same accent, and she goes, "You know what? You have the hutzpah." I'm like, "Hutzpah? What is that?" Because that's Jewish for passion and and determination, because you were out there in that parking lot, right, all week? We would come in every day, you know, like at at 9 a.m., and we'd peek out through the blinds. We'd all run over the blinds to see if you were there, and you were there every single day! And we love that! You need to go away and train and come back. (laughs) I'm like, okay, but you you have that spark, you know, and she's like, and the chutzpah, you know. So I left. I went back to Bama. I graduated uh, BFA, you know, at Alabama and uh, fine arts. And then I ended up at Cornell with my masters. And I called them five years later. Said I'm coming back. They go, don't come out to see us. But if you're coming out here, Valerie, the heavy set girl, she answered the phone. I said, is Val Valerie there? She's kind of heavy set. She goes, that's me. <laughs> oh no. She goes, that's me. Look, I'm a, I'm, I am said, I'm sorry. She goes, no, I'm a big Greek mama. I love you. You know, it was great. You know, it was fine, you know. So uh, <laughs> I get there. I go to the Fox Studios. The trailers are now gone because they're established. They have offices in Fox Studios, right? I mean, so I went around to the back gate, uh, no, the, the backyard of the Fox Studios. And there was a, a three-story a uh, chain link fence with barbed wire on the top of it. And I climbed up on it and I'm straddling at the top. And uh, this lady leans out of the office on the lot and goes, what the fuck are you doing? I said, I'm trying to get in the movies. She goes, you're not going to be in the movies. No, you're not. You're going to break your fucking neck. She was yelling and cussing at <laughs> me. I'm like, yes, I am. I'm going to do it. You know, And I'm arguing with her and I'm up three stories about to about to get hooked by the barbed wire. And she goes, I'm calling the cops. Oh, well, you go ahead and do that. I'm going to be. And I went down on the inside and ran and hid for an hour to calm down. And then I walked along and I found Fenton Feinberg casting, Jane Feinberg. They told me to go away five years ago and get training and come back. <laughs> I went in the office. The air condition was great. And uh, I, there was a girl at the table. I said, I'm looking for a valve. Valerie she's kind of heavy set, and she hurt and she walked with Valerie right around and she goes I'm Valerie I said I'm Richard Tyson I told you I was coming back she goes oh my god now I had long hair and I'm new Shakespeare and Stanislavski and all that stuff and she goes let's take you back to Jane Feinberg so we go back Jane goes I said hello how are you doing she goes Where's your accent? I said, I don't think Mr. Shakespeare would appreciate it. So I, you know, she goes, oh, my God. She goes, you know what? She goes, you know, we've been in this office nine years and we always tell actors to go away and train and come back. You know what? I said, what? She goes, you're the only one ever to come back. Wow. What are you doing for an agent? I said, I have a list from the guild. She goes, I know a match made in heaven. I said, I I promise you that's a big phrase in my life. And she picked up the phone and called Bruce Willis's agent, and I was on moonlighting in 30 days, and I haven't stopped working since.
1: Wow. Wow.
3: Isn't that crazy, man? That is incredible. that's amazing because oh. it, it kind of reminds me because you're talking about sneaking into places when DeVore and I were on the road and trying to get a lot of bookings for the other wrestling companies out there.
2: Uh-huh.
3: So we snuck into buildings in Anderson, South Carolina, Richmond, Virginia, Atlanta, Georgia. And, uh... You got nine state, uh, states. <laughs> I was doing nine doors. <laughs> Jesus.
2: Well, I mean, well, I was always guys... told
1: kick that door open like you own the place.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Except for the ninth one, it's like,
0: <laughs> hello.
2: <laughs> and it worked. I mean, wow, man. I, that with was all uh, that
1: running that you did. You know, one of the things that, that we have here on the Diego and Divorce show is uh, back in those days, they didn't have these wonderful products that they have today. And the one specific that we're talking about is Rogue Energy. Now, Rogue Energy, oh. it's a powdered energy drink, and it's not like Red Bull. It's not like uh, Monster, where you drink it, you get that high, and then a couple hours later, you get the crash, and you just you feel like crap. Rogue right, Energy, right. number one, is the taste. The first time I tasted really? the product, I thought I was drinking Kool-Aid. Bar what? none, it's the best-tasting energy drink out there. You get so the it picks you up like and
2: coffee
1: and stuff? Say again?
2: It picks you up like coffee and stuff? Oh, what? it
1: picks you up just like coffee. Yeah. And it sustained energy throughout the day. And that's the big key is you drink this, you've got it for the day. You don't come crashing down. You don't need that nap four hours later. And oh, for the listeners awesome. of the Diego and Divorce show, if you simply go to UCW dot com, hit our partners page, click on the rogue banner. Diego tell them what the deal we have for them today is.
3: Absolutely. For our faithful listeners, especially through our new listeners all over the world now thank you very much yeah, 10 percent off code we just
1: broke into australia today so i'm so excited that's with a, that.
3: all right that's a beautiful thing i'm not sure the shipping and handling and go down under but you know you can still <laughs> get temper you can still get 10 off with diego and divorce show code diego that's a shift key with a seven a squiggly line diego and divorce show get 10 percent off today and i'd like to thank <laughs> all the fans out there who have been buying the products because they tell us and they're very happy with us that you're buying you're purchasing these products and if you'd like to start like Mr. DeVore here with the Patriot Shaker Cup. I know that's that's your fit. You always had that handy, don't you?
1: Yeah, I, I enjoyed the Patriot Shaker, and it comes in a six-pack. So if you're not sure what flavor you actually want to start out with, you get the Patriot Shaker Cup, and they give you six flavors to try out until you decide which one you like. Now, I was always a fan that's of cool. the fruit punch, but I'm really digging the peach tea now.
3: you all fancy on me, man. So, I'm trying, Where can, <laughs> where so can they go again? again?
1: Go to ucwforever.com, dot com, hit the partners page, scroll down to see the rogue banner, click it, and enter the promo code Diego and divorce show, and you're going to get ten percent off your purchase today.
3: Nice, Thanks. coming back because so we just mentioned your first role in Moonlighting. So I remember Moonlighting, and that was back when one Bruce Willis had hair. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know. I, I was not so lucky just as him, but you know, it worked for him. God bless him. And two, he was peddling a lot of uh, Seagram's wine cooler commercials at the time. Oh, ah, yeah. But Moonlighting, right yeah. And moon what lighting. was his sidekick? <laughs> what was her? She was a uh, Sybil Shepherd.
2: Sybil Shepherd. Shepherd. Oh, yeah. So I go onto the set. and When I first saw her, we had rehearsal, and she's got, she walks on the set with curlers and, uh, you know, and, uh, and, a robe and just no makeup. And I'm like, and I said, civil shepherd. I can't wait to tell all my friends back home in Alabama. I met you, you know? And she's like, man, eh, it wasn't that funny because she didn't have any makeup on. Uh, and I was just kidding, you know, but <laughs> I, they were working, you know, I, that was my first job. I thought it was tremendous. Anyway, she came out uh, after two hours or something like that. And all dressed up with makeup, and I said, "I, I just want to apologize. I mean, you're, you're Miss Tennessee and all that, you know. I know." And Bruce Willis helped me out. He was gave me an acting an acting uh, tip. Uh, he was very nice to me. And uh, yeah, that was the first one. That was the first one. And I had a pump shotgun with me for the next two years. I I'd go to audition, they go, "Where's the shotgun?" I said, well, I, I can do Hamlet, man. I don't need to do a shotgun every time I come in here, you know, but anyway, uh, moonlighting. Yeah. Well, that's, that's Hollywood. They want to, you know, give you a type. You know, he's the guy with a shotgun, you know, so whatever, whatever way you get in, I guess. There you um, go. You know, I sneaked in uh, back before I went back to college, you know, uh, through Warner brothers, uh, the back gate, like gate number seven or something, there was a a brick wall with Ivy on it, like for 50 yards. And then you come, if you come around that wall, there's a guard shack with, you know, a guard in it. If there, I figured out that if they're talking to a car coming in, they don't see who's going out or they don't even look that way. So I said, if I get, Full speed, and I come around the corner, and they're looking at the car over there. I can get in, and I can run, and I can run, you know. And so I I get down 50 yards, and I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. And I I turn, and there's no cars coming in, and the the security guy's sitting, no, just standing, smoking a cigarette. And he's looking right at me as I come around, and I go, and I fucking haul away I leave you know and I'm like oh god okay all right I'm going to be top I'm going to come back again all right I'm going to try it you know and I'm, but I'm coming down I even went further back you know to get fat you can top speed about 10 yards your top speed right you know but I'm like even longer and I come around and he's talking to a car and I go right through and I'm running down 150 yards to a to a building, the first building on the right. I go in, it's like one of those military buildings, old. And I go in and I remember the air conditioning was so cold uh, and I was nervous. So I opened the first door it was an empty office and it had a table that was pushed up to the desk. And so there's a long table. And I just, I crawled under the table and I sat there and just got my breath before I was gonna go in and I sat there a long time. And uh, and then it came out and uh, went all through and did my stuff, you know, around the studio. But ironically, I was called in to audition for Kindergarten Cop. And I got the role in an office in Warner Brothers, the very same room that I was sitting under the table By the desk, it still had the table there. It was a casting place. And I went in to meet Ivan Reitman, and I I did the audition, and I got kindergarten cop, and I even looked under the table. (laughs) I just looked under the table. That's where I was (laughs) seven years before. Seven years before, I was right there underneath that table. I don't know. I don't know why That's I told you that. That's, right.
1: That's why I... While we're on the subject of kindergarten cop, uh, a couple of people have actually inboxed me with questions. If you don't mind taking a couple of questions. I love it. Yeah. And, and I, I'm sure you've heard these before, uh, but April Cruz would like to know, uh, what was it like working with Arnold? I know he's probably been asked this a million times, but I love kindergarten cop. Oh yeah.
2: April, you know, it was great. You know, I've, I was a fan. When I first met Arnold, I was they said I had the job, and I go in the next day, and we're reading uh, women to play my mother. And Arnold's sitting at a table, humbly working on English, because his accent was, you know, uh, we all have trouble with, with certain words, uh, R words or something, you know. Uh, and they were adjusting, and he was so humble to work on it. You know, his discipline with bodybuilding, he was disciplined for that. And uh, that's when I first saw him, uh, and I respected him for it. Well, I did, and the producers were all sitting there, and each lady came in to uh, audition for uh, the role of my character's mother. And uh, they all three did it, and uh, the last one, Carol Baker, ended up playing uh, mother she was great, she was brilliant mm-hmm. brilliant uh, she I didn't know that at the time I just knew there were three ladies and and uh so she's walking out and so I start to walk out too and it's a voluminous room you know with these tables just right there at the sound stage, but no, nothing else in it and uh that's the space they got for that audition that day and I'm walking out after Carol and uh, they go, tyson, no, wait, stop. Not you. I'm like, what? He goes, what? Close the door. I was close the door. I'm like, what do you think about your performance today? I said, I know I can learn my lines better. I know. You know, I can do it. I, you know, no, 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 no. Not your performance. Your partner's performance. Which of the three ladies do you think could play your mother the best? I'm like, oh, oh. Why don't you come over here and sit down? I'm like, oh, Okay. And I'm like, can I have some iced tea? <laughs> now I get it. <laughs> oh, I'm in the movie. <laughs> okay. Well, what did I think, you know? And I said, I, when I got to Carol Baker, I said, she's got the intensity, you know, that I I think I live with all the time. And I, I think she could play my mother the best. And I'm so glad they picked her because she was great in the yes, movie. She was You're not yes, she so was, yeah. without your car, <laughs> you remember <laughs> You know, so man, that movie it should be showing in Portland right now. Anyway, oh, so Arnold working with Arnold, uh, there's my character's already been shot and he's dead over by the urinal and and Carol Baker, the mom, has Arnold in the shower uh, with a gun on him, she says, Where's my grandson? you know. And uh, she shoots a couple of times. Well, right before that scene, cameras focused on Arnold sitting in the shower down, you know, uh, and uh, and uh, in the background. Oh, and then they turned on Carol Baker. And and so they see me in the background, dead by the urinal. Arnold comes out, and there's a few people around, and he goes, Dyson go get in the character over there in the toilet. Go get in the toilet, Tyson. Go, go get in the character in the toilet. Mm-hmm. I said, well, at least I have one. He goes, oh! he. You know, you imagine your second language and you go to Austria and run for governor of the biggest state and you win? I mean, the guy's a remarkable human being, you know? I mean, what he did to bodybuilding, no one cared before that, you know, but... I mean, uh, he was elected to governor twice. I mean, but he uh, at the time, it took him a second to get the jokes that that everyone else on the set were laughing. And and then he goes.
0: Oh! <laughs> it. It
2: we had a lot of fun. You know, we we did. And uh, and then the director comes over and says, all right, Colin, Chris, you're dead over by the urinal. And, Arnold, you're over there in the shower. I says, Arnold, see, they don't even call you by your character's name. They don't. What? Your <laughs> <laughs> name is John whatever. What was it? I, I knew it then. <laughs> and I told him, he's like, Tyson, go get in the toilet. You know, but <laughs> we had a great time. We had a great time. And like I said, he said, just a couple of years ago, he said, Tyson, you you're kindergarten,
3: I'm Terminator, so, you know, funny. <laughs> <laughs> so I have one from a, being the internet as it is, some questions we're not going to ask because, you know, people can be kind of crazy sometimes, so I have one that hey, is an I'm old... Hey, I'm curious about that, just, just ask them all in a row or something, you know, the ones that you're not going to ask. All right, well, I'll start with a, with a good safe way, an icebreaker from this young lady, Jennifer Cackley, so... It's an oldie, but a goodie. Can you do the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon? Uh, Bacon? Yeah. No, what is that? No. Seven degrees of Kevin Bacon is, can you trace seven people back to Kevin Bacon? Because he's done so many movies in Hollywood, knows so many people.
2: Yeah. You know, uh, three o'clock high, they go, uh, uh, if you touch Buddy Ravel, he's going to knock you out, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, because that's that's you know if you touch him that's what happens and uh i get people and now they're older gentlemen uh you know 40s 50s something like that i don't know but they come up behind me when they know who i am and they go buddy Ravel and they talk like buddy Ravel and uh i was at dinner one time and uh it's my birthday and my ex-wife she was like there in a and this guy came up behind me and goes, Buddy Ravel, And I'm like, why are you? I didn't even look. I said, why are you standing so close? And he goes, you are Buddy Ravel. You are. You are. You I turn around. It's Sean Penn. It's Sean Penn. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. It's Sean Penn. And I said, so that's seven degrees to Kevin
3: Bacon, I think, that movie they did in New Jersey.
2: Ah, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there
1: you
3: go. Hey. All right. He was in a really good movie also. What was that uh he went to that prison for the young people juvenile detention. Is that Dead Man Walking or what no. Or Sean Penn or Sean Penn. Or... Or... Yeah. Cuz he made some really good movies back in in the day so What was Les- that movie he did? Uh you Bad... know he grew up in
2: Jersey and you know and they were pals and now they're
3: older uh I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either, but, you know. I think it was Bad Boys, the original Bad Boys, not the one Will Smith in the 80s, something like that. But, right. Mr. DeVore, I know you have some questions because you're looking down at the list. Yeah. Uh,
1: Peg Bundy wants to know, uh, with kindergarten God's sake. What was it... <laughs> I know, right? What was it like <laughs> filming with so many children? Was it difficult to work with that many children?
2: Well, I think it was difficult for Ivan Reitman to do it because he actually, I came back and he, he had a whole sign of uh, things for the children not to do. Don't look at the camera. Uh, quiet when we need you, you know, and and be ready. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I got along with the kids. I'm one of eight children, and, you know, and I always, uh, you know, I love the kids and, and you know, we went out to uh, play so that we could uh, build up that scene, you know, Stranger Danger and you know, and we got along, and, and you know, the megaphone with the bad guy and the kids, please come back in so we can shoot, you know. And so, yeah, yeah, I love the kids.
1: Very cool. And finally, uh, Stan Grubb uh, said that Three O'Clock High is his favorite film, and he wanted to know if you kept in touch with anybody from the movie over the years.
2: Um, I wish I'd stayed in touch with, uh, Spielberg, <laughs> right? All right, <laughs> you know that's an important one to say. stay in touch with. Yeah, you know, I'm like, good God, man. You know, um, we do comic cons, you know, uh, and I've bumped into a few people, but no, I mean, every movie, you're like, we oh, love you. We did great, you know. Uh, I mean, you you were great in the movie, whatever, you know. We'll we'll get together soon
1: just like high school it doesn't happen
3: yeah it doesn't happen yeah it doesn't happen maybe that's my fault i would find him on twitter and hashtag the hell out of him okay (laughs) (laughs) you know what uh
2: carrie is now uh trying to put me out there i've been dark to social media i i i have two left hands or whatever you know um and i never i I never messed with it much you know Uh, and uh, now we're, we're being involved a little more uh, cameo, you know, that we just signed up with them and, and uh, a few others that I can't remember, goes, goes, I, uh, I still have a notebook with phone numbers in it.
1: <laughs> I'm the same. Way. Speaking of cameo, tell the people out there what they can get with cameo with you.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't even know what, I think, uh, I can, uh, uh, there's, there's another one that I'm doing that they can chat with me for a while. I, I mean, it's like, like five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes or, uh, you know, but, uh, 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 Ray VIP, you know, that one, Ray bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of them that, you know, I can interact with them, but uh, with Vimeo, uh, it's uh, Cameo, cameo, not Vimeo. Uh,
1: Cameo, they can actually get a uh, a shout out from you, uh, whether it be anniversaries, birthday, whatever.
2: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, while I'm fishing in the rainforest here, I can actually be on the you know, and do that. I mean, it's, it's just, a, you know, a, a guy a long time ago uh, said to me, before I went back to school, said, whenever you make something, uh, look, put the money back into your business. That's where you need to put it. And I, he says, get a lawyer, get a, a business manager, an agent, a manager. And I did all that except a publicist. And I guess Carrie's my publicist now, you know, but. Uh, your your hand. A handler? What the hell is that? <laughs>
1: yeah. she's, your, she's your publicist, your manager, your handler, she's everything.
2: Oh, <laughs> wow. She's got the neighborhood nightgown. Huh? <laughs>
1: oh. <laughs> and here comes the flying dish. Come on, get on camera. Bang!
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, but, I mean, she's really made a difference. You know, we're, uh, uh, hey, we're here. You know, I, I couldn't have done this, you know. <laughs> so, all, you know, props to her.
1: Right. Mad props. Now, you know, one of thought, the things thought, that the people that? out there aren't aware of is that you mm-hmm. actually have a connection to professional wrestling. And your connection to it is a friend of oh, yours yeah. that you got a chance to get to know. And uh, like to chat up about a little bit. You became friends with Roddy Piper.
2: Roddy, Roddy Piper. Yeah, that's right, man. I tell you, he uh, he was the best. And I tell you, I, I walked into a, a studio and we, and I said, "Where where are we going?" Uh, it's before the movie. He says uh, Rod's over there getting a haircut. He says uh, you need one too, right? I'm like, no, you know. But okay, I'll go over, you know. My hair has always looked like hell. You should see it back here. Uh, but uh, I go in, he's getting, he's he's getting a haircut. And he's got the apron around his neck. <laughs> he looks like a choir boy. And I think I said something like that. And uh, I said, uh, <laughs> and I said something like, well, you're not going to cut that, that that little curl there. That's good. I mean, I, he goes, cut it off, cut it off. <laughs> and, and I was I was judging him about his haircut. All of a sudden, and I he goes uh, he goes. You know who I am? I'm like, uh, uh, who are you? <laughs> uh, I said, I'm Richard Tyson. What's your name? You know, he goes, I'm uh, I'm Roddy Piper. I'm like, well, glad to meet you. So we're doing this, huh? So. Uh, we we end up going out to the desert and there's two trailers in the middle of the desert, one's mine and one's his. And uh he says he he gives me this tape and he just pushes it into my side, you know, he goes, Here, go put put that into your trailer and see who the hell you're working with. I'm like, Oh, okay. Man. Damn it. And then I, I saw it he had all the awards and all that stuff. It was great. I mean, we should find that, and uh i and uh, I said, I'll bring mine tomorrow so you can tell who the hell you're working with <laughs> you know, but, I mean, we got along. I mean, what'd he do? like seven thousand yes, matches, he, he and that's not lot. even practice that's yep. yeah, I mean, I mean, the guy was beloved by all, I loved him a death. I wrote this uh if anyone can find it, it's the gatekeepers. And we were partners. We were partners. We were, we were cops or undercover cops. And uh, his name was Red and my name was Bama. Because uh, my friends in, in L.A. call me Bama. If you're from Alabama, everyone calls you Bama. There's a bunch of Bamas out there. But uh, So I wrote Bama and red and I wrote the script and I go to Rod's place. We're sitting at the uh, dining room table reading it out loud and uh, we get to page 23 and I've been calling him red for 23 pages and he goes what's this red shit (laughs) I said oh what I I thought I'd give you a character so you could act you know and actually act you know and and develop a character I said oh you don't want it to be and then he read his next line and I got to the point where I'm supposed to say red again. And I said, Rod, I'm like, okay, you're Rod. All right. You're Rod <laughs> for the rest of the show. <laughs> like I was just trying to help you act. You know, <laughs> And he's like, you know, he didn't even mention it. We just moved right on. Uh, yeah. It's like uh, the movie we did. Uh, it, it's the only movie we n- I never finished and he wanted to go pound the guy the director left with all the money and and uh, built a house somewhere away from LA and uh but uh I developed this thing for me and Rod and uh I loved the guy so much that I wrote all the all the good lines for Red I mean Rod <laughs> and uh I'm I'm trying to put it back together I and mean, there's no I've been trying to replace I can't replace him you know and uh right. but uh, I just uh, realized that I wrote all the good lines for him. And I loved him so much, so I'm like, I'm gonna switch my character to him. <laughs> I'm gonna play Red, but I'm gonna call Red Bama, and then we'll have someone play me, uh, by the book kind of guy, you know. And he was every time uh, we catched, we caught a, a bad guy or something, he'd have a different weapon that he was playing around with that week. And uh, the, the the first one that we wrote, uh, they're trafficking people from China into the uh, port city of Mobile, and uh, and we go up. Uh, actually, I wrote it for Santa Monica, uh, but but all of a sudden, I'm, I'm in a helicopter, and and. My character, you know, dropped him off in the alleyway. Now, wait for me. I'm going to go to the softball diamond and just plant it right there, and I'll be right there, and we'll go in and free these people. Well, of course, he doesn't wait, and uh, we see guards, and all of a sudden the guard's looking around like he can see him, but he can't, and all of a sudden the guard gets yeah. <clears throat> a damn dart in his neck, and we cut back to Roddy Piper, and he's he's got a blow gun. <laughs> He's got a blowgun he's shooting. That week, the next week, it was going to be something else, and the next week, it was going to be something else. And he just doesn't do anything by the book, you know. And uh, a guy, he was a special guy, you know, a
3: special guy.
1: Yep. Another Roddy Piper.
3: He, he's an icon in the wrestling industry. Now, With we're talking about Roddy Piper. Have you gotten a chance to go watch any of his of his stuff Um uh, one of that i suggested a lot of us wrestling fans and non-wrestling fans is uh they live which oh was, uh,
0: yeah
3: john carpenter uh, i think was the one that directed that one yeah i actually i seen that before i met him and
2: uh yeah he he always talked about it. he goes that's the longest fight two-man fight in the history of cinema and And he he just would always say that about it, you know, and I thought it was great. I thought he was great. And I I wish we could, if you guys have the equipment to track down gatekeepers, uh, Roddy Piper and Richard Tyson, uh, you used to be able to get it up right, you know, like that. But uh, I had a friend in uh, Sacramento just sent it to me, but it was closed down before I could even open it. So... It's, it's really a funny uh, scene. Uh, my character, Bam, is sleeping on a couch, and the Lakers are on, and uh, there's some rumbling outside the sliding glass door, and so he gets his gun and goes over. It's a safe house, you know, and so no one comes up to the house, and uh, there's someone trying to get through the curtain, and I rip it back, and it's Roddy. I said, well, are you crazy? Almost blew your head off. And he goes, man, what do you want? And he's got coffee. He goes, uh, do you have any cream? Do you have any cream for the I was, what? For the coffee. Do you have any cream? I'm like, oh my God, man. I almost, you know. And he's standing there in the rain. And it was raining in California. <laughs> And he said when he got there, he goes, I'm all juiced up. I'm ready to go, and I'm going to be in that rain, and it's going to be great. Well, after a couple of takes, it's getting cold, because at night in California, it is chilly, you know. And he started shivering. <laughs> I said, get a blanket, put something around him, you know. And he's sitting there drinking hot tea and getting ready to go back out there. <laughs> and he goes, well, right before we shoot, uh, towards the end, he goes, who wrote this? You am know, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he loved it, but then at the end, he, he's like, I'm going to get you for that. You know, but yeah, that, I'm leaving out so many things. Roddy Piper, uh, the movie we were doing, it's, I don't know the name of it. Uh, uh, anyway. He's over there helping them move the furniture, you know, the crew. They're moving the couch and stuff. I said, Rod, hey, I went over, and he's holding the couch up. I said, Rod, what are you doing? He said, I'm just trying to help him. I'm like, do you know your lines? Do you know them? Yeah, kind of, you know. I said, Me too, kind of, you know. Well, we need to work on those. These guys, that's their job. They get paid to do, you know, move the furniture. Put the sofa down, you <laughs> know. He's like, all right, look, and he apologized to everybody and came over and we worked on the lines and they set up the scene. He was so helpful and uh, just, oh, he, uh, towards the end of his life, he was traveling with, uh, with comedians around the country. They'd go to uh, colleges and different places. And I said, Rod, you're a comedian. (laughs) And, you know, you immediately start laughing when he looks at you, you know, uh, and uh, i said rod how long are uh, the comedians well there's 10 of them and they do like from 7 to 10 minutes uh, i'm like oh well how long's your show he goes well it's anywhere from 20 minutes to uh, an hour and a half i'm like <laughs> what <laughs> that's a hell of a set we <laughs> were in albuquerque and somebody says uh, do you remember when you were here in 88 and then he has a memory and he goes and and he and he, and he plows through it, you know, and he just keeps going, you know. And I'm like, man, Rod, I wanna do that. He goes, No, Tyson, I don't I don't think you can do that. You can't do anything less than two and a half hours.
0: <laughs> Shut the hell off
2: <laughs> I mean I mean, yeah, we were good friends. He said there was a bomb uh in his car like the last few months that he was alive and it blew up in his yard and he got the hose to put it out. And he's standing there. He said that the fireman came up and says, get away from there. Just just, no, you, you can't put that out with that. And if, if the other tank blows, you're going to be blown up with it. just, (laughs) he's always trying to help, you know, do the right thing. I mean, he was an incredible icon. You know, I just, uh, I can't wait to see him again. I will wait for a while, but uh, we'll see him upstairs, I'm sure. If I get a call from him,
3: uh, I'll let you know. Oh, please, please do. So with going with that, so with all the projects you've done, is there anything, any of the movies that you've done or the TV shows, is there any lines or specific scenes that stand out in your mind? You're like, man, that was beautiful.
2: Uh, did I like the way I said one line? Or what?
3: Well, any scenes or lines that you know always stick out to you either daily or every time you think about your career, it's like, man, I just love that line or that scene. Uh,
2: well, I pick up the guy, uh, Buddy Ravel, slams him against the mirror and the director was like, okay, let's get the stunt man in and we'll do one, two, three, and he'll help you and go into the mirror and we fucked it up twice. And I'm like, can I just grab him and throw him against the mirror, you know, in the sink? He says, well, can you do that? I'm like, I got four brothers. You know? <laughs> so, so I slam him against, yeah, I slam him against and all the glass breaks. And so you got little Jerry Mitchell sitting there, but you got like 36 uh, reflections of Buddy Ravel. And he goes, you made me mad, Jerry. Now, I'm going to have to do something to work it off. He goes, work it off? She says, yeah, you and me, we're going to have a fight at three o'clock. You try to run away, I'll track you down. You go to the teachers, it's only going to get worse. You sneak home, I'll be under your bed. You and me, three o'clock. And and, uh, my sister... She still goes, well, where do you want to meet? Three o'clock? <laughs> I'm
0: like, all right.
3: <laughs> Man, that was that's the most the closest thing to a wrestling promo that Hollywood has out there. I mean, that's, that's pretty damn good. <laughs> Man, I tell you, that's a long time ago. Uh, you know,
2: uh, I, I played Genghis Khan. I was in Russia for a year, and I'm on a black stallion, and I've got 5,000 extras behind me. Uh, the Calvary from Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan. And my my generals and my sons around, and we're staring at the Chinese wall, the wall of the Great Wall of China. And the, my son goes, She goes, What is that, my lord? He goes, he goes, that's the Great Wall of that's the Great Wall. Behind it are all the riches of China. He goes, Why is it there? Uh and he goes, because they're afraid of us. Charge! <laughs> Man, we attacked on my horseback, 5,000 of us. As soon as I raised my hand and just said, charge, you know, I was like, we're chasing, we're we're going after you. Uh, you know, Genghis Khan uh, would put oil on, on birds and, and cats uh, so they could sneak through the cracks and start the fire. Uh, and it took six years... Uh for him to conquer China or nine, I'm not sure if one's upside down or the other, but but that was that was pretty special. I mean Genghis Khan only did it once. I got to do it five well, or six times, you know. <laughs> oh, and no one died.
1: There you go. You know? right.
2: Man, I uh
1: now did you like did you like doing period pieces better?
2: You know, uh I've done a lot of Shakespeare. And I love to be on stage. I did To Kill a Mockingbird. That's the last one I did. uh, uh, At the Will Gear Theatricum Botanicum in Topanga Canyon, just south of Malibu. Will Gear, you remember him? He was uh, uh, Grandpa Walton. Yes. Yes. Remember him? I mean, great actor. I'm sorry, that's the only, you know, credit I can remember. Uh, But um, they were blacklisted in the fifties and he went out and had six acres in Topango with a creek running through it and a and a and a hill on that side. He goes, let's do a theater, outdoor theater. Him and John Hausman went and started it. He says, we'll just do theater. We don't need to do your movies. And uh I've been a member uh you know for 30 years. I've done streetcar name desire, I've done Julius Caesar, I've done, you know, uh all anything you could think of. Uh um and when I did To Kill a Mockingbird, you know, he has the pinstripe, uh, Atticus Finch has the pinstripe suit on. Uh, and uh, my father's a lawyer and he couldn't fly out. It was near the end of his life. And uh, I uh, got a call right before I'm going on stage. It says, uh, my agent says, look, they, they want you to do a Steven Seagal movie, uh, Deadly Weapon or something like that, The Perfect Weapon. And uh, they need you there tomorrow morning. I'm like, what? I'm about to walk on stage. What are you talking about? You know, I said, where is it? They go, have you ever heard of a town called Mobile, Alabama? I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm from there. Oh, my God. Because, well, look, can you do the play and then get on the plane and fly overnight because they need you there in the morning? I'm like, you're damn right I can't. So I went straight there. I had my seersucker suit on. And I got to my father's house and I walked in and I did the whole play for him. You know, it's talking about reciting lines that you remember or like, uh, I did the whole play in the, in the costume that I wore on stage. I did the whole thing for him. And afterwards he goes, I told you you could do this talking yes. about being a lawyer and, you know, and a Senator. And, uh, yeah. Well as I was telling you about uh oh doing period pieces. Yeah, that's a period piece, I guess, nineteen sixty. Um But no, you know, I like uh you know, did you ever see John Goodman play Babe Ruth in The Babe? It's called the Babe.
1: Yep, absolutely.
2: My agent says, uh, honey. She's she's from Chicago. She says, honey, you're only in four scenes and they're all baseball and they're going to cut your hair and cut your pay. I'm like, put them in the majors. Don't you see that? It didn't look like I was going to make it, but I'm in the majors. I'm in the majors. She goes, the majors? I'm like, oh, never mind. You know, yes, I want to do it. And I went to Chicago for six weeks that summer and uh, we worked two days a week. And when we did... I was pitching at Wrigley Field, man, at the 32 World Series. When the Cubs finally won the the World Series a few years ago, Rizzo said, Mm -hmm. uh, this is to everyone who's ever worn the jersey. I'm like, yeah, yes. That's pretty cool, man. And I'm pitching at the – oh, so I'm pitching uh, at Wrigley Field in the 32 World Series, and I was the Mississippi Mudcat, Guy Bush, and I couldn't find a picture of him. And so I dedicated performance to the center fielder for the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, a blonde white guy uh, that was real fast. He always had the big chalk. I can't remember his name now. He got into trouble after he retired with the used cars or something, but can't remember his name right now. Damn it. But anyway, I put the chalk in my mouth just like him and, uh, and so we're out there, the Mudcat. I figured he was clean when he started. He he was the actual guy, 29 years, Guy Bush, 29 years in the majors. He gave up Babe Ruth's last two home runs, but multiple home runs before that, 7-13, seven, 7-14. Seven, and uh, he, uh, so I'm waiting in the mound, and, you know, we had extras in the seats. So if they are got the camera on the batter, they've got, you know, three sections of, of – of extras right there and then when we move the camera now it's behind the catcher we had the bleacher bleachers all full of extras and so so it looked like a full stadium you know so i go i go there and i'm like how long is this going to take because they, they tried to spritz me with real you know fake sweat you know and i'm like i don't want that i don't want it i'm the mud cat and you know and i and and it's the ninth inning in the world series and I, it's about the heartbeat. It's not about the sweat, you know. And I can get the real sweat. And so I, I said, I went out to the left field, and I started running sprints to right field, and then back to left field. And uh, and the and the uh, the extras, they all the and the people, they started going, yeah. You know, get to <laughs> I'm like now I can I can do sprints all day with that, you know. They're encouraging me, and I stopped and I said, Look, I want the real sweat. This is a World Series. And I explained it to them. They're like, yeah. And I did some more. And then they and they waved me in. I said, they're ready. And they all stood up. Yeah. They're cheering. You know, they're cheering. I get to second base. And the director goes, what the fuck is going on out there? What, what, what the fuck? <laughs> I said, I need the sweat. He goes, all right, look, we'll get on the mound. I get on the mound. And they go, oh, we got to change the filter. It's going to, oh, the truck's back out. So, oh, it's going to be a while. And I went back to second base. I said, they're not ready. And they all went, "Boo, boom. They were <laughs> booing them. <over laughs> <me. laughs> right? And so I went between first base and the mound at Wrigley Field, and I started doing push-ups to keep the sweat going, the heartbeat. And about on 10, I could hear them, 10, 11, Twelve, sixteen, seventeen, and uh, I could have done a hundred of them, you know, with that audience behind you, you know. And then, and then they go, "Okay, we got it." And I went to second base. I said, "They're ready." They went, "Ah!" They fucking cheering, you know. And we got down. Oh, and so the movie comes out. It's a six-second slow motion. My character looking at the signal from the from the catcher. And this sweat, it slowly goes down his hat, down his face, and drip, drip, drips as he's looking. And they cut away from it, but that was for six
3: seconds. It has to feel real. That's quality time. Quality six seconds. That's right. I mean, if you ever look at it, you know. I played for the
2: Pirates in the movie. I played for the Cubs, the Tigers, and the White Sox. You know, but the Cubs uh, in the World Series—you uh, can catch that six seconds. Of,
1: Absolutely, uh, and, and when you're capturing yeah. six seconds and you're talking about time, one <laughs> of the one hey, you know things? what? Yeah,
2: you know the uh, the director goes, "Look, um, we need them to boo." Can you go out there and get them to boot? I'm like, they're my people. Yes, I can do that. <laughs> and I went out to center field. I said, "All right, listen up. I appreciate everything you guys done." This was back in, you know, in the mid '90s or something like that. Mm-hmm. Something like. That. Uh, I said, "All right, listen up. I just want to say." I looked at the director. I said, "All right, you ready?" He goes, "Yeah, they got it going. Action." I said, "Look, I just want to tell you." That I live in LA, and I want to tell you that Magic Johnson is the best damn basketball player ever. And they all stood up, boo, because they were Jordans. You know, they were Jordan. They fucking booed like forever. I had to make it up with them. I said they told me to do it, you know. So you know, but but yeah, uh, the the director figured it out. It's good for them to do that. Whatever you were doing. Do it again, you
1: know. Anyway. uh... You know, you're talking about six seconds of time. And one of the best ways to keep time is with Invicta watches. Now, an Invicta watch, it's not like any other watch on the planet. Invicta watches are a man's watch. It is a centerpiece of everything that you wear. You want a watch that will stand the test of time that you can pass on generation to generation invicta is that watch and right now if you want to get that invicta watch go to ucwforever.com go to our partners page click on the invicta banner and get that watch that you want now uh i was on there the other day and they got this sale going it's called the savage sale you want to pick up a watch that is completely just savage and and we were just showing richard these watches I mean, the, this watch is thicker than my wrist, and you can't find a better timepiece on the planet than an Invicta watch. I know Diego. Diego, has got how many? Do you got up now? You got 13, 14?
3: No, oh, sir, fifteen.
1: You're up. I took, 15 that, I took advantage
3: of that. I took advantage of that sale not long ago. It's funny, but it's it's something that you, some people collect stamps and baseball cards and <laughs> cars. I collect the watches now. They're very beautiful watches They make it for the ladies as well Because my fiance, she has Okay, so she was giving me shit the other day, right? I said, don't you get like 20 of them? Uh, Yeah, so you see See, there you go
1: So for you guys out there, you want that watch for yourself Like I said, you can pass it down generation to generation Go to ucwforever.com Hit the sponsors page Or excuse me, the partners page And click on the Invicta banner And get the watch that you want And if you want You want to earn the brownie points with your women? Get her an Invicta watch. It's going to get it.
3: (laughs) And speaking of, you know, a movie, so uh, the Invicta watches the DeLorean of timepieces. It stands the test of time. Yeah, like Back to the Future. Absolutely. So (laughs) getting back with our guests. So we're talking about period pieces, and we always go back to 3 o'clock high. So I I saw that because I actually went to the video store. And I got that on VHS. Oh, so wow. Now,
1: now you're starting to age us, man.
3: Well, <laughs> I, would, I would have said Betamax, but, you know. We <laughs> didn't, didn't have that. <laughs> because It's funny because that it reminds me of a story. It, it's real quick because when I first came to the States when I was a young kid, I didn't know any English. So watching movies, TV shows, you know, you got Dukes of Hazzard, Liver and Shirley, Happy Days. And you had your cartoons. So one of the first movies I watched is a, a movie, another movie with another theme of, uh, of bullies, My Bodyguard. If you yeah, remember oh yeah, that movie, that, yeah. it was a beautiful movie. And Adam. Adam, a, with, uh, the bully. See, yeah. Matt, I think Matt Dillon was in that one. He played a really Matt good Dillon. bully. And years later, with 3 O'Clock High, I mean, they're definitely vastly different movies, but neither i haven't seen a bully movie since then it as good as those two because there's been many of them but these two they uh i'm gonna call them the casablanca of bully (laughs) movies because they're really damn (laughs) good we'll take that at bogart That's
2: yeah uh Uh, i have to
1: agree i would put three o'clock high up there with the breakfast club
2: yeah that's the 80s stuff uh You know Sean Penn, new Buddy Ravel. I mean that's that's good enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) Now you know I uh,
1: I said you also starred in Black Hawk Down.
2: That's right. I was one of them. Yeah, I was the last one cast. Uh, We were in Morocco for five months. Five
3: months. Wow.
2: Wow. Uh, We need. (laughs) <laughs> we need something to smoke. You're going to be there five five months. It's legal there. Yeah, we were all... We were there's like 20 of us in a room playing cards the first weekend. And, and we we're like, how are we going to stay here five months? <laughs> I don't know. This is out of turn. I can't say all that. But you know what? Everything I've ever done in the movies has played in Morocco. I'm Bruce Willis in Morocco. I mean, it's incredible. These people, and all my fellow actors, like, who the hell are you? These people are all over Yeah, I felt like a rock star or something. Um, and uh, I, I was on a seven-week deal, and I was supposed to get out of there. I wasn't in the book that much. Staff Sergeant Dan Bush, another Bush, uh, he was a, real live guy. He was a sniper on the first Blackhawk and, uh, true hero. Uh, but, but I was the last one cast. everyone else had gone to boot camp. I, I went to the Naval Academy, so I had done boot camp, plebe summer, whatever. Uh, I didn't need that. I knew, I knew about the military. Uh, but, uh, uh I fly out. um, I'm playing softball in Santa Monica. I get a call and they said, uh, my manager says, look, go home right now, go home and pack your bags. You're going to Morocco. I'm like, what? I'm, I'm on deck, man. I'm on deck. I'm the next batter. <laughs> so I got all that information and I, I took, I, I hit a single, to right bill and, once I got to first base, I scored a run and got to first base, and I told someone to take over, and and I flew to Morocco. And uh, there were 50 actors in the Hilton. Now, behind the wall, the Hilton was, you know, it was the Hilton. You know, it was great. It was, uh, you know, they had a driving range and a pool and a basketball, you know, and, uh, you know, all that stuff. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, But uh, once we we go outside the gate, I mean, the people, I don't know. I was with Sam Shepard, Tom Sizemore. um, uh, What are the British actors' names? Do you see The Big Fish? Remember The Big Fish? It's a great movie. And one of my favorite actors, I can't even remember the names now. You know, I'm not good with the name game. Uh, but all these guys were sitting around and the waiter came up to Josh Hartnett. Remember Josh Hartnett? He was like the lead in Black Hawk now. Uh, the waiter came up to him and said, would you take a picture? And he goes, yeah. And he stands up, smoothes, You know, he didn't have much hair, but he's like, yeah. Uh, uh, he goes, and the waiter goes, with me and Tyson? <laughs> he wanted him to take the picture. <laughs> he didn't want a picture with him. He wanted. Wanted him to take the picture of me and him. And he goes, Who the hell is he? Who are you? I mean, it was weird. They said I should run for mayor, you know. I'm like, Morocco, I don't know how they got everything that I've ever done, but but we were there five months and like like pitching in Chicago, we worked two days a week and we were playing army with no real bullets and we had the real army with us and uh and uh my scene uh the sniper is the only one alive Dan Bush is the only one alive when the black hawk goes down and he crawls up and he defended the perimeter and he had 200 rounds left and they found 225 skinnies dead so he was shooting two at a time and he he was mortally wounded and he kept it up until his boys got him there and then flew him out. And uh, I said to Ridley Scott, I said, really, uh, you know, there's a command center uh, up above, and they look down, they see that one little ant of a, uh, an American running and crawling out from under the crash. Um, and that's Dan Bush. Is that scene still in? He goes... Oh no, no, no. That's not in. I'm like, I'm not in the book much. You know, what do you He goes, Oh, you're gonna like this better. We're on the ground with you, and you're gonna dig out from underneath and you're gonna shake your heads, you know, cobwebs, and and then two skinnies come in, and bah, bah, you take them out, and then there's two more, bah, bah, and then they're gonna throw a grenade and then and then this RPG goes through there, and you know, and, and I'm like, that sounds a lot better, you know. And uh he goes, uh I said, Uh, okay all right. So I memorized it all and rehearsed it, you know, and and action got it. And we got like seven to 11 cameras on everything. And, uh, and, uh, I did the first take. I was John Wayne, man. I was American hero fucking doing it, you know? And, and I was psyched about it. and, And I went over to, uh, can't remember his name, but, uh, he was a Delta guy, uh, sitting by the main camera where Ridley was. And, uh, I said, how was that? Can you help me? Can you help me do something? Make it real? Or, you know, was that real? He goes, look, just remember one thing. It's another day in the office for us. And so it became bap 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 bap. That none of this, yeah, ha, ha, none of that. It's a bat, bap doing the whole thing. Oh. And I switched my my uh AK fifteen. To my left shoulder because i get shot in the right shoulder i didn't get shot it was fake but dan bush went through it and uh they had to call the dod the department of defense to see if we could we would do that i'm like look we're shooting a deer in alabama if he comes to the tree we gotta switch and you know and uh do it like that and and it took a couple of days, but it finally came. Yeah, he can do it, you know, or not a couple of days, a couple of hours. And uh, we were able to shoot that. And then they, they, uh, they get there just in time and he ends up dying in the hospital. Uh, but I went back over after I did the second take, you know, just as a matter of fact, this is another day at the office. And I go back and this big Delta guy, they were big guys, man. He's sitting by the camera. And his tears are all down his face, and he goes. I said, "How was that?" He goes, "I saw Dan Bush for the first time since 1993." Wow. Job. Wow. Like when you do uh, nonfiction, you want to get it right, you know. And uh, and uh, finally, when it came out, we were at the Chinese Grahman Chinese Theater. And uh, I got a note uh, a, couple, a couple of weeks later, or a week later, from his widow and kid saying that we're honored at what you did and how you showed him. And, you know, and uh, we're just glad that you played the role. Now, I have to tell you this now because of the opening. It was in Beverly Hills. And Will Smith comes up to me. He's got three assistants. He goes, Richard Tyson. I'm like, okay, which one of those assistants told you I was Richard Tyson?
0: He
2: goes, no, kindergarten cop, three o'clock high. He goes, all right, which one told you that? You don't know. He goes, yeah, I do. I said, well, look, I'm writing a script. Uh, It's perfect for this. It's the living history of my mother's side of the family in Alabama. Damn the torpedoes! Full speed ahead, Admiral Farragut. He never conquered Mobile, but my family went from the bay up to uh, some farmland up in the woods and built a big farm. And there were blacks and whites living on it, and they were all free to come and go. There were no whips or anything like that. They 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 celebrated uh, on Sunday, you know, the the church, and they they were educated together and uh, it was against the law to educate blacks back then I don't think we should forget that era because it got us to the discussion today but but uh, why was I telling you about that I um, <clears throat> um, Smith Smith and- Will Smith. Yeah. And he goes, I said, I've, I've been writing this script uh, based on my mother's, you know, history. And, uh, he goes, what's it called? I said, grandfather's horse is slave. He goes, really? What am I playing? I'm like, well, man, I can't, I can't change history, you know? And I just, and I don't mean anything, but, uh, he goes, well, let me ask you one more question. And he was laughing, you know, and, uh, He says, uh, we're even below the horses because the title came out, grandfather's horse is slave. The horse is a main character. And it just came off the tongue like that. And, uh, and I said, well, no, no, you're not. That's the whole point of the movie. It's about two guys, a black and a white man that go to Virginia at the end of the war to join Lee's forces. They were black soldiers. Fought in the Confederacy, and uh, after the surrender, General Lee says to Jonesy and Grandpa, "This is uh, you saved a lot of men that year, and that you saved a lot of men because they produced a map that they had taken off of a captain in the in the uh, you know the Union Army that showed that his supply lines and trains coming into uh, Appomattox they were they were taken over by by the north and uh so he surrendered and, and he says you all saved ten thousand men's lives that day and then grandfather and Jonesy are standing there by themselves, and grandfather goes, You're a free man. What do you want to do now jonesy he goes let's go home, grandfather, let's go home. <clears throat> a black man in eighteen sixty five wanted to go to Alabama. You kidding me? But he did. Because we love each other down here. Everyone thinks that I'm a slave owner and my black friend is a slave. No. No, it's not true. There's a lot of love down here. And I wish people would understand that. Because it really means a lot to all of us down here.
1: A difficult time that we're all living in right now. People don't want to understand it and they don't want to hear it.
2: Yeah, I probably said too much, but it's from the heart. And uh, I hope this script, I, I sent it to Ridley Scott, he goes, This is an important story. Grandfather was, grand, grandfather was on his horse getting ready to leave. The black, all the people that worked were there on Sunday afternoon and they had barbecue and music and They were all saying goodbye to grandfather. Well, Jonesy comes around from the corral with his horse packed. And his mother goes, well, where are you going, Jonesy? This this war is not yours. He goes, I'm not going to let nothing happen to pretty Mr. Durant. He might get himself hurt. And uh, they went together on horseback all the way from Mobile Bay to Appomattox. And then when their horses were shot out from under them and they wanted to go back, they walked home together. Uh, so, I, and Ridley Scott said they had a full slate and couldn't do it. But I think I'm, you imagine trying to get a Civil War movie made and these times, you know. It, it could be a while before something
3: like that can happen, but it's an important story that needs yeah. to get out there.
2: That's right, man. It's so important, and uh, and it's it's from the heart, you know. Um, you know, they pray together, they bleed together, they they save each other over and over, and they finally make it home. Uh, Carrie just said, "Tell him the whole movie." <laughs> <laughs> See, she's a good handler.
1: She's a good handler,
2: man. Yeah. Well, no one can see this last part because you know that's the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> no spoiler. No yeah. Spoiler.
1: So yeah, let's but move, anyway. move forward a little bit. You also starred in two movies that became just an immediate hit and a part of a part of pop culture. Something about Mary and oh, Kingpin.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Well. Wow. I was just in it like a, you know a couple of scenes, but Kingpin, Woody Harrelson, we we played hoops in Santa Monica. I know Woody. Uh, he doesn't have a cell phone now. Really? Anyway, yeah. I mean, how do you live without it? But it's just too much. Anyway, um, yeah, Kingpin. I played the manager of a strip club.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: do You know what the name of it was? I do not. Stiffies. Stiffies.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, my God. That is ridiculous. All right, just leave the room, honey.
0: But there really is a club called Stiffies, because I Googled
3: it. She Googled it. There really is a club. You know,
2: Guarante-
3: Guarantee, um, you're your <laughs> Guarantee you're your money back.
0: Guarantee you your money back.
3: Wow. Yeah. So, uh.
2: Yeah, so that one, uh, but what was the other one?
0: Something
1: About Mary.
2: Something About Mary. Ben Stiller. He was great to me. Loved working with him. Mm -hmm. But he came up to me uh, and he knows the scene. I played the detective Mm -hmm. that interrogates him. And the detective and his partner think that he's a serial killer because they picked him up at the gay hangout on the side of the highway and he was just taking a pee, but uh, the cops were busting him then and uh, he got thrown in jail. And so they're interrogating him because he had a hitchhiker in the car, but he had a, um, he had a body bag with him instead of a suitcase. And then the <laughs> hitchhiker, the hitchhiker got away, you know, and left when the cops and uh, they found this body bag in there. So they think he's a serial killer. He thinks he's in trouble for picking up hitchhikers. you know, And, uh, so Ben comes over and my character is supposed to fuck him up somehow at the end of the scene. So Ben comes over and goes, uh, he goes, Hey, are you Richard Tyson? I'm like, yes. I said, who are you? He goes, well, I'm, I'm, ben, I'm ben Stiller. I'm Ben Stiller. I'm, ben Stiller. I'm, ben Stiller. I'm, I'm the lead. I went, bully. Just bully. And he goes, well, you know, uh, look at the, at the end of the scene, I mean, do you want to work on? Some, I mean, I said, uh, when when I'm supposed to fuck you up? <laughs> <laughs> he, he goes, well, he goes, well, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, do you want to work some? I looked over at Bobby and Peter Fairley, and I and, and they were in Video Village, but I could see them from before the first rehearsal, and uh, and I'm like, uh, and I just signaled to Bobby. I said, I'm ready. Let's don't work out anything. Let's rehearse and see what comes up, you know? And so we go through the whole thing. He goes, this wasn't your first time, was it? He goes, no. He <laughs> thinks he, he says, how many have you done? He goes, in my lifetime? Oh, 100, 120. it's like, oh, and I look at my partner. Oh, and I did 100 push-ups before we did the scene. So, uh, And then I, and I dried off so that, When we're looking through the two-way mirror before we get into the interrogation, my partner goes, where'd they find the body? Is in a big red bag on the front passenger seat all. hacked up. It's gruesome. A real psycho, this one. (laughs) He's not the psycho. I'm the fucking psycho. (laughs) (laughs) And he he goes, maybe I should take care of it. It's like, yeah, whatever. You know, we go in there and uh, interrogating him. uh, And at the end, uh he goes, you know, maybe this is a Bible Belt, but where I'm from, it's not that bad. I said, you son of a bitch, you're going <laughs> <rot." laughs> And I grabbed him by the ears, right? And I had him like this. And I look over to Bobby and Peter. Uh, I said, Bobby, if I did something right, the Fairley brothers, I did three movies with them. If I did something right, they go, "Bama, that was great." But if I did something wrong, they go, "Richard Tyson, look, uh, let's talk." You know, you know. So, <laughs> so, so, so I got Ben Stiller about a year and I'm like, "Hey, Bobby, what's funnier, if I slam his head three times or four times?" Bobby goes, "He goes, uh, uh, the more the merrier." I said, "Ah!" He goes, "The more the merrier, Bama." And I go like this, and I start to do it. And I, and, and Ben jumps up and throws my hands and he runs all over the and He goes, God damn it. Why you know, he was just so pissed. And, like, and he finally came back over and said, man, we discovered it. Look, man, I have a master's degree from Cornell. Now you're from Manhattan. And I mean, there's a lot of supporters of Cornell in Manhattan. And, uh, we're going to do it. We just discovered what we're doing here. We're not going to hurt anybody because he always heard I was Buddy Ravel, whatever, you know, and that was fake too. Black Hawk down, no bullets, you know. So we calmed him down and we figured it out. And I put my hand under his head and I said, You're going to do it. I'll just ride with you and you'll, and then you'll take it after four and fall back. And he did it. He was great. He ends up with his hoodie, like, halfway. What the hell, you know? Oh, and... well, I got to tell
1: you, when you dribbled his head off that table, I almost peed myself laughing.
3: <laughs> well, well, the truth is, and Devore and I, we've seen a lot of movies together like that, but we've never seen that movie Sober.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, now we're going to air the dirty laundry. You know what, that's And it's true. not
3: a... And I'm yeah. not saying, you know, that and dumb you don't and need to
2: drink. She
3: oh, made me a, another um, juice. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> a little cranberry cocktail. Cranberry and ice.
1: One ah, thing I would nice. like to talk about that I know a lot of people don't know about you is you do a no, lot wait, of charity work. Wait,
2: wait, can can I interrupt you? Sure. One thing yes. about something about Mary. Yeah. I went there with the ex-wife and I have a 73 blazer with no r- roof on it a 73 and so I'm getting in line with the with the limos she goes oh please park down the street please <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: alright so I did but when we were walking out no when we are walking in they give you a little trinket you know every every opening they give you a little trinket you go in you can't see what it is because it's in the theater but you just save it in your pocket and when you're walking out you discover it and I pull it out of my pocket and you know what? It was a little bottle of hair gel.
3: <laughs> oh my <laughs> lord!
1: <laughs> what a perfect trinket for that movie. Oh,
2: got the... <laughs> oh my god! Anyway, what was your question?
1: Um, one of the things. Hey man, I've I've I don't need to about. write
2: the book if everyone sees this. I'm, I know, right? I I want to write the book. <laughs> damn it. Everybody, I know that story.
1: Well, one of the things I wanted to touch base on was not a lot of people know this about you, but you do a lot of charity work. And oh, you're yeah. a very giving man. And as a matter of fact, you're a Shriner. Um, so let's talk, chat up about that a little bit, about the charity work that you do.
2: Yeah, man. uh. I mean, one of eight kids, my mother said, we got a dining room table so that no one could reach across or under the table and touch the other people on the other side. <laughs> you know, and so, but if uh, if I have a hamburger and you don't have one, you you have a half. You know, it's like my brother, you know, it's like I'm not going to eat my lunch and you're sitting there not eating or, you know, I mean, it's just whatever food we have, we split it up with whoever's there, you know, and I have a good friend, he's a drummer in LA. He goes, I remember, man, I came over, uh, Andre, he says, I came over to your house, and it didn't matter, man, how many people would show up. You always had enough food to feed everybody, you know, and, um, and I got that from my mom and dad, and, uh, and, uh, <clears throat> the Shriners, my father was a, in the shrine. Uh he was a, a dive bomber in Korea. Uh and he, he was um, he joined the Navy uh right after D Day. I mean uh what is it? Uh, December tenth. Is it December seventh? Uh, Pearl Harbor. Yeah, but he never got to fight in it. He was he was supposed to go to Japan the next week and they were gonna take uh Tokyo conventionally. And they put that on hold, and that's when the the fiery bomb came down. And I – it's a tragedy, but uh, I probably wouldn't be here. They would have killed 70,000 pilots, and uh, it would have been on and on. Uh, Anyway, I'm kind of getting off subject. Uh, Tell me again.
1: You, You work with the Shriners.
2: Yeah, the Shriners. My dad was a Shriner. So when I went out on the on the bus with $150, my dad came out the next year with my mom to a Shriners convention. And he's like, look, you're an actor. You like pageantry. So you're going to love the opening with 10,000 Shriners all dressed up in their costumes and all that. You like pageantry. You're an actor now. I'm like... I don't like pageantry, Dad. (laughs) What? I'm an actor. Wait, what? you? What? He goes, I'll buy you lunch. And I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. All right. So they picked me up at my place, little place, little one room place. And uh, all the guys from Alabama were in the van uh, that came out, you know, for the. And so they stopped by the children's hospital. I said, what are we doing? Oh, we stopped by the liquor store and we bought all these little pins and little bracelets and stuff, you know, just cheap little things. And I went in with them and they went from room to room. And these children, uh, that were, uh, incapacitated and, uh, he was a Senator. And so he, we were in this one room and this girl says, we're here with Debbie and, uh, we have this gold medal to pin on her because she is so proud, and she is we're so proud of her, and she really is strength and you know and and she's so brave, and we love her to death, and we're pinning this on today and he said the the date and uh and and that's I looked over you know, and I noticed that she had her chest pumped out like that, just sitting up in her bed, and I was like. Oh, no. And I realized she didn't have arms. She didn't have any arms. She couldn't pin that on herself. And he made her feel like Miss America. And I said, Dad, you've always tried to get us five boys into the Shriners and the Masons no one ever has, but if that's what y'all do, I want in because that's what we do. Some. And, uh, next time I came back home, uh, I went through the process of, uh, doing the, uh, <clears throat> you know, the entrance, you, you got to go through this series of, you know, of, uh, stuff just to get to, uh, the kids, you know, the kids, um, it's amazing. I, I went, I did a, uh, we should send it to you. Kerry uh, has it. Um, it's uh, kind of a a commercial for the shrine that I did. I don't have all this on it. And uh, I look like a normal, well, not normal, but, you know, I can mix in. Uh, I just saw it for the first time since I did it. But I did this, I was a spokesperson for the shrine. Um uh, and uh, <clears throat> I was there at the children's hospital where my dad went. And I did it in that very same hospital in downtown L.A. And I said, where are the kids? I don't see any kids. Oh, they're all in the uh, kindergarten room or whatever, the kid room uh, for lunch and and playtime. And I go in there and I had done children's theater on, the, on stage in front of 1,500 first graders twice a day for a week. And then we did second graders twice a day for a week and all the way to sixth grade before I even left on the bus.
1: Wow.
2: And I, and I, uh, when you do 3,000 first graders a day, by the end of it, I called my dad, I said, Dad, I'm changing my major from, he goes, from political science to what? I said, theater, Dad. He goes, oh, brother. <laughs> Because I knew five boys I didn't think it was gonna be you. I'm like, "What does that mean? You know, but I said, "Dad, those faces the faces of the children You know and, uh I, I want to change the faces so that they can get out of their their drudgery just for a couple of hours of a of a movie or a theater or whatever can entertain them, make them happy and uh I told him I needed to go to Hollywood to be in the movies. Up to that, but um, the Shriners—it's uh, amazing to go through and, and meet so. So I said, "Dad, sign me up." I came home for about a week, and uh, the process—you got to go through and learn the history and all that—and and it's and it's it's word by mouth. There's no things that you can read and study. It's passed down since King Solomon's day. That's amazing to even think about that. 2000 BC. I mean, you know, it's like crazy. And, uh, and, uh, my dad, it takes a six months ordeal to go through all of that and put it together. And then you present it. Uh, but I shouldn't be saying all these things, but anyway, my dad says, yeah, you, you do Shakespeare. You can do it in a week before you go back i'm like dad it's six months program it's a program of six ah you can do it you can do it. you do hamlet i'm like all right and i did and i got I did in it in a week in a week yeah wow and uh and i just recently checked in again with my hometown masons and shriners and um I've been inactive for a while and uh I'm proud to say that I'm back and uh you know I look forward to helping those kids that's what they do man they everything they will take a kid that if you know that's crippled or or burned severe you know whatever they will take care of them free of charge until they're 18 and the only way they get the money is by donations,
1: right, and right.
2: they do it, man, and we do it. I'm happy to say we again, because you know've been fighting my own battles, I guess you know, but um i'm I'm tied back in, and uh i look forward to the next event. I think I want to be a clown. <laughs> Shriners clowns. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my friend goes, "No, I'm scared of clowns. Don't do that." I'm like, "Oh, now I'm definitely doing it." <laughs> 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 no, but uh, no, but uh, my '73 uh, Blazer. Uh, it has. It was the last year that the whole roof came off. So even over the cab, uh, now it, there's a roof, but it takes off the back, but not the not the cab, uh, but. I would always put uh, clothes. I'd always collect clothes from my friends and, and uh, have them in the back shoes, socks, whatever. And I, because when I came up to a stop sign in LA, you know, the, the homeless would come up and ask for money. And I'm like, well, I don't have the money, but Hey, do you want a t-shirt? You don't want a t-shirt, you know? And I was going to my Malibu place overlooking the water and uh, this, the sunset and Pacific Coast Highway. I would always see these people and I said, Hey, you want a t shirt? You want a socks? What do you want? You need pants? Oh, I got, I think I have a jacket back there. But, uh, and so all their friends would come while the light was still red. All of a sudden, I got five, you know, guys out there looking for t shirts and they're, they're going through it like they're eh, not this one, you know. I mean, that, <laughs> it's great. It's great the best thing is though, you drive back the next day or the day after and you see all your t-shirts on on the streets you see them all and it's great and they're clean you know and uh and my friends they go is that a richard tyson uh what do they call it like is that a richard tyson collection yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we drive through Santa Monica is that a Richard Tyson yeah that, that that's the Richard University Tyson of collection. Alabama yes that's yeah that's my I mean it's kind of man I I uh, gave money to this guy that looked like Jesus for a long time and I talked to him and all oh, he was homeless and then one day I saw him get out of the passenger side of the Bentley I'm like okay buddy oh, <laughs>
3: that's, no. yeah he made some good investments yeah, <laughs> yeah no, <laughs> right. so before we we get going here in a little bit so we all know because even for us when we throw in our shows 2020 pretty much has gone down the drain we can't do anything we can't entertain the kids just like you entertain the kids and families with the wrestling shows so mm-hmm. once they go back to normal what's uh what's in store for you for 2021 well, I've got I've got so many things uh, coming up.
2: Uh, uh, Dolph Lundgren uh, movie called Castle Falls in in uh, Birmingham. We were we were we had one weekend. Now we we need uh, another month when we come back. That's the first one. I have a TV show. Uh, it's called Wagon Train. I'm the wagon leader. It's a western. Uh, there's a uh, see. I want to do TV because you know you do a movie and that's it six weeks you do a tv show you do 20 shows so those when i did hardball on nbc did you you guys ever look that up hardball Mm -hmm. john ashton great actor uh you know it did 21 shows so you get paid every week you know and uh it's a steady gig you don't see your family or anything but but um yeah, so a TV show. I'm very and everybody's doing TV now, you know, like Netflix and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, because we're so good at home, uh, and now out of necessity of the, the virus, we have to stay at home. But um, I I have a another TV show, and they go, we're we're going to offer you, it's going to change your life, the amount of money that we have. And I'm like, well, what's the catch? is it's in Budapest. I'm like, oh. Okay. Okay. I I was in Russia for a year. <laughs> Let me see. Okay. Budapest. It's it's intriguing. It's intriguing. It's a beautiful place uh, <laughs> to visit. That's what I heard. If you can get out of there. No, I love the people. Love all the people. Uh but that one and I've got a couple of other movies. Uh I'm a I'm a a modern day Billy the Kid in one movie, so so I hope uh, really we can get really? rid. I hope we can get rid of this virus and get back to work. What's um, the uh,
1: What's the name of that one? I'm a huge Billy the Kid fan.
2: Ah, uh, shoot! I got to. Oh wait, right here. Wait
3: one second. It's two no two feet away. Alright. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Billy the Kid. Yeah, did I ever tell you the books I read? Did I let you borrow that one? No. All right, well, pay me later. I sh- uh, it goes through a whole history of the Western stuff, so I think you're nice. right up your alley, brother. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's on my bucket so. list is to go visit uh, all the old graves out in the Old West, Billy the Kid, Charlie, all of them.
3: Yeah, I think they just came up with a new one, because, uh, you know, the whole thing with uh, brush. brush okay. was it? it? was a work, so. I, I got the title... It's called
2: Back to Billy, written by back Michael Anthony Gadusio. Yeah, Back to Billy. It's a modern day. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm just reading it now. I haven't read it. And I, I, uh, <clears throat> I talked to the guy about it. And I need to get back to him soon. Uh, but, but it sounds intriguing, you know. So uh, the, is Billy a bad guy?
1: Oh, well, it, well, it depends on, on what side of history you look at. Uh, That's whole, right. Uh, That's what I say. Yeah. Because I know, Billy I the know Kid that the that... phenomenon was that war was actually started uh, because the man who took him in was murdered, and Billy started avenging those murders. Now, wow. history says you know Billy the Kid had killed so many people, uh, but history has proven that most of those numbers were very inaccurate. And most of the people that he killed was in self-defense. Back in those days,
3: he was very he was very uh, admired by the Mexican community because he was always uh, giving the law a hard time, and they called him Belito, like B- little Billy. So mm-hmm. it was uh how do you, How do you say that? How do you spell it? Belito. Yeah, um, B I L L I T O. B i l l i t o, Bolito. Mm-hmm. That's great. He's actually man. Uh, almost a god
1: to the the Mexican community down there, because not That's only awesome. did he give the law a hard time, uh, but he gave back to the communities down there. Mm.
2: That's great. You know, uh, I'm working. Uh, you know, I've written like twelve scripts, and uh, and I've never tried to, you know, push them or present them, you know, until, um, a year and a half ago. And, uh, because I always kept getting cast and all my actor friends, they're like, Oh, you keep getting cast too bad. You know, I'm like, (laughs) you know, you know, play a filthy bastard, but yeah, I keep getting cast, you know? And, uh, I pitched to Comcast a couple of things. And one of them was, uh, They go, what's your top three? Uh, And uh, I said, well, I've got a crazy vet back home is looking for help. Uh, I've got a a casino picture and I have a Civil War picture. They go, honey, this is Atlanta. We love the Civil War. You know, It was a year and a half ago, so things have changed. But we looked, would you send that over? They read it the first night. No one reads scripts the first night, but... They got back to me and they love it. They wanted to do it. They go, "What else you got?" I said, "Well, I got a TV show." Yeah, what is it? I said, "Well, you know, Magnum PI." Well, I have Bama PI. How about that, Bama PI? They're like, (laughs) and they all laugh. They all laugh. What is that? I said, "I think you know already. You know, it's not in Hawaii. It's Bama PI and." And then I decided, uh, uh, the last script I wrote uh, for it was, I want to be from uh, Louisiana all the way from the French Quarter all the way across to Biloxi with the 35 casinos they have there on the Gulf Coast. Did you know that? They have 35 casinos. I mean, it's changing. It used to be an Air Force base, you know. And then Mobile, Mm -hmm. people like to fish. If if they don't fish, they have a fish on their shirt that day. I don't know. I mean, people are just—it's a sleepy town, and that's what they want. And then we go to Pensacola, the Naval Air Station, and and down to Panama City. So I've I've changed it from Bama Pi because they tried a a, a Magnum Pi again. And it didn't work. They inserted you know someone different than than the original. Um, and so I call it the Gulf Coast now. Golf nice. course, and uh, it'll, it'll be hijinks. Oh, and uh, the gatekeepers—that's the—that's the first part of it. You know, if I can find, never replace Roddy Piper, but I'm gonna play him. That's what I'm gonna do. That's what I'm doing. I'm not gonna play Rod or Red, but I'm gonna be Bama. And it's—I mean, we were so close that I—I I know. Uh, That's that's what that's the that's what sprouted the whole idea about Bama Pi, you know, the Gulf Coast. So, so when you finally see it, hopefully you'll see Roddy Roddy Piper again. I can't say that, can you? That would be everybody that says his name with the accent. I mean, with the extra uh, name. They always fuck it up. <laughs>
3: rowdy, Rowdy, <laughs> yeah. ready, Rowdy, Rowdy, <laughs> So hey, man. hopefully, once that gets made before it comes out, if you'd like to come back on with us, and we'll like definitely chat it up with. It. And uh... that'd be great, man. I love you guys.
2: I appreciate your time. And,
1: uh, and we probably appreciate your time. Yes, time.
2: I'll yes, I'll, yes, thank you. I probably have to barbecue something or act like I cook. I don't know. Nothing else is happening here.
3: So. Sorry, you have to uh, share your recipes with us, your barbecue recipes. Watch out oh, yeah. Uh, for all you
1: people out there that barbecue, uh, we recently picked up a huge partner in Amazon. And uh, there's, it's a beautiful thing. If you go to ucwforever.com, go down to our partners page, click on Amazon. You don't have to do anything else. It takes you to Amazon just like you normally do. And anything that you shop on Amazon will actually help the Diego and Divorce Row grow. So once again, go to ucwforever.com, go to the partners page, hit on Amazon and shop to your heart's content. There's no promo code. There's no deal you have to look for. Anything that you buy on Amazon, it goes to the page that you normally go to and it helps us out in the end. And we thank you so much for uh, your support. That's awesome. And i like to awesome. again,
3: mr richard tyson a very very talented and very very busy man thank you for taking your time out of your day to spend with us and tell the history of your filmmaking and your screenwriting and you know we'll definitely like to do this again a few months down the road and um catch yeah, we're us up. up and running we're up and running right god god willing sir
2: well thank you um, very much yeah there's something i wanted to say sure I don't know. We've said enough, I guess. But uh, no, go ahead. I just no, want to say thank you, and uh, yeah, let's stay in touch and uh,
3: see what we can do. I'd like to meet you in person. You
1: know. uh, absolutely.
0: And
3: we'll sit down. We'll and make have that happen. Twenty. 20- in twenty twenty one, we just got to get your your uh, social media up so we can stay in touch. That's right. Uh, but see <laughs> these singers, man. I can't. I, I can't touch anything. <laughs> My phone, it's
2: an Android. I don't know what that means, but uh, I can't dial without. I look down and see what I typed out. It's Russian.
3: I don't know what it is. It, it's oh, not yeah, I feel bad. I'm it's it's I'm
1: not, not a technology guy
3: either. Yeah, we can't say we can't say Russian on the show. Oh, that's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Vladimir's listening, comrade. Uh,
2: well, oh, Kyrgyzstanis. Uh, that's where I was, Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, when I did Genghis Khan. Anyway, oh, we got so many more stories. I mean, I if I write a book, it's going to be like this, right?
3: I mean, right. it's going to be thick, sort of like my sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you and us three, trust me. We are. We definitely got some humor too. Once you meet us in person, you could be like, oh. Yeah, that's too much, guys. But no, seriously, <laughs> Just, we definitely appreciate your time. Stay in touch right, with us. Right. and uh, Just make oh. sure
1: that you have plenty of juice, whether it be cranberry or otherwise.
2: <laughs> that is awesome. Y'all drink Good. tea. That's awesome. <laughs> Iced tea. That's great. Hey, y'all, uh, yeah, stay in touch. Uh, whatever I can do, whenever you, uh, you got a moment, contact us, man.
1: Absolutely. Us. Thank so. you so much. Awesome, okay.
2: Please I
3: take, love care of your, take care of yourself Stay in touch and uh, we'll do this again In the near future Yeah I'm going to go outside and cry for a minute Alright <laughs> <laughs> Okay my friend thank you so
2: much Alright brothers I'll care. take care I don't know how it's to like, hang it up See, I it. It's no. all good uh, She's got it I heard that from the back <laughs> the I I heard Actually
1: we, if, we if we you'll heard hang on it. If you'll hang on just for a minute after we finish the show
3: Okay All right, Mr. Divorce. So we've had a lovely time with Mr. Richard Tyson. So here's what we'll do tonight: we'll just uh, flex your golden pipes like Pavarotti and take it home. I'll
1: do my best. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Diego and Divorce Show. We would like to thank our special guest, Mr. Richard Tyson. This was such a fun episode and we hope that everybody enjoys it as much as we made making. And we'd also like to thank all of the new listeners in Australia, as well as the 109 other cities worldwide. You can find us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as on the Apple Podcast, or wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Till the next time, hang in there.
0: we try it.